Welcome to episode 15 of The Heart Chamber. I am your host, Boots Knighton. Today on the program, I interview Aaron Borbay. Aaron is a licensed acupuncturist, board certified in Chinese herbal medicine, as well as a trained labor doula, certified yoga instructor, and intuitive life coach. Aaron helps her clients unlock their vibrant health potential using acupuncture, custom botanicals, constitutional nutrition, stress management tools, distance energy healing, and intuitive life coaching. She works in person with clients at her clinical practice in Victor, Idaho, as well as remotely with clients all over the world. Erin has been instrumental in helping me move forward from my heart surgery. We touch on so many different things in this episode, and I encourage you to think about using acupuncture in your life, no matter what you have going on. It is an amazing tool. If you like this episode, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with others. I'd also really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. That truly matters. You can find me on Instagram at The Heart Chamber Podcast or at www.theheartchamberpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Do you have a story you want to share? You can contact me there on the website or leave me a voicemail as well. So let's get to Aaron and I's interview. Thanks again for listening today. Shall we blast off up to 50,000 feet and start at the top? <laughs> well, the system of Chinese medicine has been around for a long, long, long time. I don't have the exact, you know, date, but a long time. And it's an entire system of medicine that has a certain way of viewing the body and the physiology of the body and therefore also the pathophysiology of the body, the way things can go wrong, right? Or the way disease or illness can occur. And then it's various forms of treatment principles. And that, you know, a few of those arms of treatment principles are one is acupuncture, which uses energy center points that are along energy pathways called meridians on the body to affect change in the system, ideally balancing the energy in these meridians and therefore throughout the body and affecting symptom resolution or you know, physical change in the body. Herbal medicine is another kind of arm of treatment principles in Chinese medicine where there's thousands of individual herbs that are, you know, often combined either to make unique formulas for individuals on their healing journey, or there's a whole slew of already created formulas that have been created over the centuries by the masters of medicine that have you know, shown to affect certain changes in the body. So sometimes we'll pull on those and sometimes we'll create something, you know, totally unique and new. Nutrition is another important arm of Chinese medicine, treatment principles, and using the energetics of food, which is very different than like how we often in Western society think of food as like energy or in calories or in nutrients. This is more of an energetic view of food. So what adds warmth to the body? What adds cold to the body? What amplifies digestion, which sedates digestion. And those are quite different than like what we might think of in the way, you know, we've learned about food. And then there's Qigong practices, movement practices, and a few others as far as like treatment, you know, modalities that are fall under the, the Chinese medicine umbrella 
those are the most common that are used today by practitioners in the U.S. Wow. Okay. That's that's a lot. And when you are treating a, a client, like what is your approach? Like what is would be the acupuncturist standard approach or your specifically approach to a new client? Like how do you know where to begin with all of that? Because I have done all of that and I know all of it is important, but you can't like it's overwhelming, right? And if you're on a healing journey, such as heart surgery, it, you know, it's like, how do you know where to begin? Like, what is the most important? Is there like a order of operations with Chinese medicine? Yes, absolutely. And that's a great question. For me, the way I practice is I start slow. Like I come, you, it depends how I'm working with that new client. You know, if we're working from a distance, we might look more at food or movement practices, maybe herbs as like our first kind of what are we going to do to support you on this healing journey. If I'm seeing a client in person in my clinical practice, acupuncture is almost always the first you know, tool that I'll turn to and see their response. So like when I'm working with somebody that I've never met before, I don't know anything about their pattern or their what's going on with them. We chat. That's our first, our first like interaction is really getting the lay of the land. What are they experiencing? What are they feeling? What's coming up for them emotionally, physically, spiritually? We kind of try to touch on all the areas. And then from a Chinese medicine perspective, I'll also use pulse diagnosis if I'm in person, tongue diagnosis, which I can do either in person or distance. And those those um, diagnosis techniques are really what help give the Chinese medicine pr- practitioner, aka me, an idea of what's going on in that person's body, what their constitutional tendency is, or what's a potential pattern that's presenting right now. So Two people might come to me, you know, with heart palpitations, let's say, and have very different tongue, pulse, you know, affect, different things that we look for in their system. And I would treat them very differently based on those findings. We're not we're not just treating heart palpitations with the heart palpitation formula and the heart palpitation acupuncture points. We're really trying to find, okay, this person is presenting with this. How do we work with that? But what's the first domino that'll really support them in alleviating, you know, the discomfort that brings them in, if we can, or supporting the healing and resolution of that. And we have to address that root cause. Wow. And I, just talking about me for a second here, I just get a kick every, out of every time I come to see you. And so Aaron always feels my my pulses and looks at my tongue. I'm like, what is it telling you? What is it telling you? And it's it's amazing how every time it's a little different. And tell me like, and you can use me as an example if you want. I don't care. Like what like what do you normally see in a tongue? Like what are some of the telltale signs of heart stuff versus and the pulses? So with the tongue, the tongue is less likely to change quickly. It's more, it can change. And I've definitely seen tongues, you know, change as people, you know, resolve certain things that may be going on in their systems, but it's not going to like, you know, change week to week. But I'll often look at it just to refresh my, my brain. There is a map of the entire body on the tongue. And so all the organ systems have a different location 
on the tongue. And we're looking at color in those locations, contour, coating, any, anything really that could like in, indicate an imbalance in that area. And then we kind of put it together to like what's going on in the different areas. The very tip of the tongue is the heart area. So just for information, there be possible scenarios. And I always tell my clients, there's no ideal tongue. Like we're not trying to get people to like a certain, like this is where you are in health and balance. It's more like this is your tongue and this is like the human system you came into this world with. And so what what will best support it and what will best support you in living in balance and flow? And so I'm not going to reveal any like specific things we might look for or not look for, but um, really like just putting it all together and into that unique system. And then it's the same in the pulse. There are six different pulse positions on each wrist. So 12 total that we're feeling for the energetic qualities in those positions. And those 12 positions respond or correspond to the 12 energy meridians that run through the body where the acupuncture points fall. And the pulse will change. Like you'll often feel me taking your pulse several times throughout a session or at the end of a session to make sure that we've affected some change. That's a really great tool, you know, for me as a practitioner to just of communicate with your body and like what are what does it need and how can we support it with opening certain energy centers and and then see it, feeling that shift happen mm-hmm. that's pretty cool wow that yeah. is amazing and of course the silly side of me is like wow this woman has chosen to look at people's tongues for a living like i find that kind of gross but it's really helpful and it does tell you a lot, you know, telling how much stuck food you see in teeth uh, throughout the day. <laughs> but good for you. <laughs> so listeners, if you do go see an acupuncturist, make sure you brush your teeth just, for, you know, for them. Something I have really been intrigued by, uh, one point in particular, and help me with the wording of this, let's, let's now zoom into like heart-specific acupuncture, right? So using me as the example Oftentimes, since my heart surgery, I've been coming in and I, and again, please help me with the wording, have been breach, as we say, or flipped. And I want to start there with how you've been helping me, because I feel like that has been the most important acupuncture point you've been working on, unless maybe I'm missing something and then let's go from there. So breach. But I will say the term that you have coined. I've I've never quite, never quite heard that balance that I come up with well, called breach until you up it and now I use it in dearly. Um where actually like the the pulses swapping from left to right. So we always are looking for and this is a five element in particular. So that in Chinese medicine, there's also several schools of Chinese that then all have their own kind of unique medicine, so to say. So my training is in traditional Chinese medicine, TCM. And then, you know, I've had like little exposure courses to Japanese and Korean and five elements. Those are the main ones. There's a few others. Hmm. Um, So this is one that comes from five element lineage of acupuncture. And it's actually called husband-wife imbalance in like, that's what it would be in the books, let's say, in the textbooks. And that's when the right and left pulses kind of swap. 
We're looking for typically the left pulse, no matter what's going on in the dual locations, generally speaking, to be slightly more robust and strong than the right pulse. And when that is swapped, we call that a husband-wife imbalance. Um, I've heard it described also as like a flipping of the yin and yang of the body, like the left and right sides flipping, being like almost kind of turned upside down. And things typically, if this is presenting in a client, things just kind of feel a little off. They don't feel like themselves, like things aren't clicking that well. It's rare that I've ever had this come up with somebody and they're not like not feeling like themselves. There's usually something kind of that's going along with it. And so we'll do a series of points to help and flip this back around so that then we can work with the systems in their natural flowing state or their ideal natural flowing state. And one of the main points, there's a, there's a handful of points that we'll use for this protocol. And that, that is more of a protocol when it comes to acupuncture. One of these points is bladder 67, which is on the little toe, which we also use very commonly during third trimester pregnancy to flip babies. So I think that's where you and I have mm-hmm. come up with when the breach term it has lap there. It's not the most fun point to receive, but it does affect pretty significant transformation. So Mm -hmm. try to do it, Jim. Yeah. And it's amazing when I have been flipped upside down out of of whack and balance. I I do walk out of your office feeling like a whole new person. And I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the many reasons why I feel so strongly about bringing you to my listeners because I can't imagine not having you in my life. And I surely most people that are listening have an acupuncturist near them that can help. Like, I, I feel like we we need us heart patients. We need all kinds of, of healers in our lives. Like, I sh- truly believe we need mental health therapy. We need cardiac rehab. We need a cardiologist we can trust, a nutritionist. And I just don't think it's common practice for heart heart patients to hear, hey, acupuncture is actually a really incredibly important part component of of healing well from from open heart surgery or any heart procedure or any heart issue, right? And I just think like, oh my gosh, if I were walking around with my imbalance being breached, like what a bummer that would be, right? And so you start there with me and let's talk a little bit more about all the other points. Like I think of like the points you put on my chest, like around my my scar, those have been really important. And then on my shins, like there's been so many. And then obviously my ups and downs emotionally through this whole process. So can you walk the listeners through some of those other points that you've helped me with? Yeah, um, definitely. And I also just want to say, interject mm-hmm. here quick, um, as a practitioner, you know, it's really important to like meet people for me to meet people where they're at and how they're coming in. So, you know, when you come in and you're not feeling like yourself and your pulses are flipped, like it's so important that that's where we start, you know, and and work with you there and and may affect those more long term changes but based on how you're presenting and coming in. 
even though that might not be the treatment per se for like, you know, for overarching heart condition that you're walking in with, that might not be the first thing at the top of the list we're going to do, but we're going to do what your system is craving and what your system needs so that it can then organize itself to meet your own needs and heal your own body. Well said. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, with all points, one of my favorite things about Chinese medicine is there is a there's a physical reason for those points, like it unblocks the channels and promotes circulation and blood flow to the tissues of that area. Like it has a very physiological effect and it also has a more esoteric effect that's a little more emotional or psychospiritual and moving the energies of the emotional bodies as well. So, you know, like when we do the points specifically around your scar, they're kind of going just lateral to the sternum and in between the rib points. And those are all kidney points. And so, yes, by gently doing some acupuncture there, we're invigorating. We're hopefully going to help like tissue healing and scar tissue healing and all of that. And we're doing the upper, you know, we call them window of the sky kidney points, which are so powerful at grounding us into the root of ourselves. And being connected to our own inspiration and our own kind of reason for being here and, you know, the work that we're meant to do and really having that come out into the world from this really deep place of grounded support within our own system. I just think that's so cool that we get those like double benefits from points like that. Do you have any? Is that? No, that's beautiful. I hadn't heard a window of the sky, but that that makes sense because I, I I swear every time I'm on your table, I have some sort of inspiration hit me or an aha moment because almost every time you're putting you're putting needles there and it's usually a, I usually have some really beautiful reflection time. And, you know, that got me thinking and just thinking about I'm on, I'm just on this mission with this podcast to, like, let people know that heart surgery can be really an amazing opportunity. It Yes, it's hard and it can be devastating even because it's not an easy thing to go through, but you have choices in how you look at it. You can look at it from like a victim mindset, which I think is appropriate at one point or another. Like you have to go through like the grieving that is appropriate. Like it sucks. It hurts. But then you have a choice to like pick yourself up and turn it into something really, you know, amazing and rad. And I have found that the acupuncture piece has, to use that that term window of the sky, it has helped me look through the window of opportunity instead of the window of grief and loss and I'm a victim. And I i mean, I did go through that. Like, I remember talking to you about, hey, I was born defective. I'm defective. And you really helped me. Like, I also have an amazing therapist. And the two of you complement each other so well in helping me, like, grieve the fact that I didn't have the heart I thought I had. But hey, let's let's look at this from a different way. And so I think that's a good, like, segue into your amazing coaching that I receive every session I come to with you of looking through this window with more expansive thinking instead of retractive thinking. Yeah, you said it perfectly. But yes. And again, I would reiterate also meeting 
that comes down to meeting people where they're at too. Because sometimes in my case as a coach, it is about holding space for the grief, right? And being with what is. Mm -hmm. And it's not always about shifting perspective in that moment. You know, we don't want to be stuck anywhere, you know, really at all. Like stagnation is never healthy, let's say, of any kind. But if we can be with what is, really honor what is, then sometimes from that space of softness and surrendering into it a little bit more, you can move through it and then start to work work with it and look and see, is there that, you know, deep internal for the client shift in perspective that can happen, which is, you know, essentially a miracle, right? Like it completely changes your relationship to yourself and the world, even just with one small, you know, area or aspect of self. So, you know, it's nuanced. It's not, it's just being with people where they're at and then seeing what we can work with based on what's arising Mm -hmm. in that moment. And you are really good at that. Like you've never said, hey, try thinking this way. You have a gentle approach of asking questions and, and then it just, I don't know, it's just always magic with you and I. It's, I don't know how else to describe it. I, I have called you a witch before, a magician, all that, of course, with like so much love and respect. It really is existential to me what happens between us. And reflect a little bit more about my time with you as a heart patient, because I'm just still in awe of the way I have been able to grow and thrive because I've been receiving your care. And like, do you remember me at the start? Because I, I kind of don't like I it seems so long ago versus now. <sighs> yeah, that's a good question. I, might, I mean, yeah, it's been how long have we been working together pretty regularly? Two years? Almost, yeah. Year and a half. Mm-hmm. Like that? Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, like, I I really try my darndest not to have an agenda for my clients, right? Like, a, oh, if you're not here, you know, by this time, then we're not having any effect, right? Like, now, at some point in treatment care, it is important to evaluate if the client is receiving benefit, right? Enough benefit to keep coming. And I do believe there's an importance to holding an intention for a greater healing, right? While meeting the person where they're at. But it's almost hard for me to reflect on like comparing where you were then versus where you were now, because the journey has been so epic, right? It's been so, you know, turns and twists and just and navigating those and meeting them and like working with them as like another layer of the onion unfolding, you know, getting, you know, closer to that, you know, crystal on the inside. So I don't quite know how to answer it, I guess. Mm. So you more see your practice then as a journey instead of a destination. Like it's... Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100% journey rather than... Because I, I also believe like, you know, maybe certain individuals who can achieve very high levels of enlightenment, but we're never going to really arrive, right? Mm-hmm. So we're always kind of on this journey of life. And so as long as we're continuing, and especially for, I guess, like for you as a heart patient is very different than maybe somebody who comes in with like migraines, right? And they have no structural or anatomical reason for the migraines, yet they still have migraines. And then our goal is going to be to try to resolve the migraines, right? And get them to go away 
and then have them move on and come back for acupuncture and herbs, you know, if their migraines come back one day or they start to they start to do that. But like as a as a heart patient, especially an open heart surgery patient, like the destination isn't so clear. Like, where's the end? Like, are we just trying to like move past shortness of breath or move past, you know, heart pain or move past incision pain or, you know, what's it's almost like moving targets that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? 100%. So there's still that overarching holding of like a life without discomfort related to heart condition, but it's so much more nuanced than just like a a simple headache or whatever, you know, but like the change and even the certain like testing changes, the information that we think we know changes and other treatment approaches with the other practitioners you're doing change. And so we're kind of at least speaking my, in my experience with you, since you encouraged me to do that, mm-hmm. um, that's, I guess, more where I, where I see it, if that makes sense at all. Oh, yeah. And now that I'm reflecting a little bit more, you know, I remember so we, you and I are doing this podcast interview in, you know, in the middle of April right now. And you asked me back in the fall what does healing look like to me? And I rarely am at a loss for words with you. And I was at a loss for words because I realized that I actually hadn't fully given it a whole consideration from the whole cell. Initially, after heart surgery, I just wanted to get back to my old self, which was teaching. I was a ski instructor and, you know, mountain biked and liked to be out in the mountains all day. I did not sit still. But heart surgery changed me in every way you can think of physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And when you asked me the question, I just knew in my heart of hearts, pun totally intended, that I had not really given it full wholehearted self-consideration. And no one had asked me that. And no one had even approached me about that in the hospital. And you're right. Like, there, there just can't be a destination with this. It just depends on where you're at. Like, I, for one, like, want to go all in and really explore all the, you know, the darkest corners of my life and shine light and try to make my life as amazing as possible. And that works for me. Other people just might want to be able to go back to work. And that's fine, too. Like, we need all kinds of people doing all kinds of things. And for me, like, I think that I'm just not done yet. I know I'm not done yet with this. And I, for one, one small ask I have of this whole journey is I just want to get through a day where I don't have to think about my heart, uh-huh. you know, because I'm yeah. going through my days right now, not thinking about my spleen or my liver or, you know, like all my internal organs, like I'm not having to think about them. Like I totally take them for granted. I will admit it. And, you know, my little appendix is just going right along. But like my heart, I have to constantly think about it and consider it all day. And I'm willing to do that because the poor thing has been through an epic journey. But I do want to get to the point where the two of us can be on autopilot and just be in rhythm again with each other, like I am with my spleen and everything else. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful intention. That's beautiful. And I will say one thing that kind of came to mind as you were chatting is like witnessing you over the past 
however long, 18 months, two years, like really open to surrendering to what is versus the attachment to what you think it should be, whether it's your stamina to ski or, you know, your ability to, you know, work and tutor and engage or, you know, what kind of activity level or anything, but just it's been so humbling and honoring to witness that shift in you of just like, okay, how am I going to dance with, I'm not willing to give that up forever and ever. And I want to honor what is. So where is the balance point between those two in this moment and finding a little bit of peace? It's really amazing. Thank you. And I did. And I know that's effort on your oh, part. <laughs> well, I was going to say I did it kicking and screaming. I mean, I'm not proud of that part. I might have sworn some in your yeah. office. It is all well. Always. I mean, talk about grieving. And my my version of grieving is I get really angry. <laughs> you know, that's that's my version of crying. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's the ultimate surrender is surrendering to the ego. For sure. What points did you use for that? Because I know you had to pin me to the table for that one. It probably depends a little bit on exactly the flavor of anger of that moment. Because there's a few. Oh, yeah. Especially with that. Um, <laughs> that's also a beautiful part I love about Chinese medicine is it's really taught me to embrace that there's wisdom and medicine in all the emotions versus like dying away from or feeling like oh we shouldn't feel those or if somebody comes in really angry or really sad I'm gonna have to like, fix them or how do we not have them feel this way because it's not a beneficial way to feel but more like oh how do we move through this and work with this how do we meet it where it is that's been really huge for me you know just as somebody who grew up in a house where big emotions weren't always welcome right mm -hmm. so it's like oh we actually need big emotions to, to get to more balance sometimes but my guess is we use some liver and gallbladder points to move that energy and that's like so beautiful to me about acupuncture that we can affect the emotional and energy bodies, just freeing them a little bit in a moment of heightened emotion so that hopefully it's a little bit easier and more efficient to work with in your system. And it kind of turns the volume down a little bit so that it's not so jarring and overwhelming and can do a little bit better. And, you know, I'm thinking of like real life consequences of that, like because you free the energy bodies, then I can go back home and be, you know, a more peaceful wife and feel more comfortable in my skin. I don't overeat sugar. Like I can think of all the different coping mechanisms people go or coping strategies people use when they do feel overwhelmed. That doesn't help the, the heart heal. And so I'm just thinking about this from the heart perspective. And I am really good at like, this happened just a few days ago. I had a really hard day and to treat myself, I marched right to Whole Foods and bought a big tiramisu and ate half of it because, you know, I had just had a mammogram and I was like, I had just had my boobs squished. I'm going to eat some tiramisu, right? <laughs> it's like, yes. but does that ever help? And I've been talking to you about my weight and I, darn if I just didn't march right in there entitled. And I was like, I'm going to eat some tiramisu. But like, thankfully, I don't do that all the time now because I receive so much care from you. And that's a slightly silly example. But if you do that enough and build up the weight, then you're not helping your heart. But anyway, that's just a side example. 
I have two more burning questions for you. Number one is for my listeners, how do they find an effective and helpful acupuncturist, if that's how you would word all of that? And then I want to hear a little bit more from you about your incredible skill set as a coach, how you would want to describe yourself, um, and then how people can find you. Be- and I will obviously put in the show notes to all the ways you can get in touch with Aaron. And it looks like Aaron Borbet, but it's Aaron Borbet. <laughs> and so, yeah, how, tell us, coach the listeners on how to find an acupuncturist, acupuncturist right for them. Right. So depending on where you live, acupuncturists can either be acupuncturists and herbalists. That's what I am, which we call like a full Chinese medicine practitioner certification. And there's a national certifying body, the NCCAOM. I'd have to double check what all those acronyms stand for, but it's nccaom.org. And if the Chinese medicine practitioner keeps their certification with them active, they will be listed on their find a provider. So that's a good place to look. You do not necessarily have to keep your certification active in order to have your license, which is given by the individual states. So there may be excellent acupuncturists who are not NCCOM certified, but that's like a good overarching place to start. I always say referral, like word of mouth referrals. So ask your doctors, ask your hairdressers, ask your massage therapists, like a lot of those people will be plugged into colleagues who, who might be acupuncturists and Chinese medicine practitioners. So it's always, I think, nice to get like a personal referral of like, oh, I see them or so-and-so sees them and really likes them, you know, in addition to just the right credentials. Uh, you will, if you've never had acupuncture before, you may need to try a few to find the perfect fit because it is more because it's not cookie cutter, just like go get this point prescription and leave. You know, you need to be able to establish a rapport and trust with somebody. And, you know, that doesn't happen automatically. So I always try to remind people to like give themselves permission to keep trying. Or the common one I hear is that people think acupuncture is going to be painful, which in my world, ideally it's not painful. Doesn't mean it's without, not without sensation, but it should not feel anything like torture or be very painful at all. And if it is, you know, and you are very sensitive, then that may not be a good fit. You know, everybody has a different needling style. Um, There's varying gauges of needles. So, you know, if you try it and let's say your experience is painful, I would encourage you to continue looking and see if you can find, you know, potentially a gentler fit for you because it it's there's a wide expanse. And the reverse is true, too. I've had, you know, clients look for heavier handed needlers, right, because they're looking for more of that physical stimulation. So hmm. everybody's different in what works for them. And just one other like kind of added for the acupuncture piece is so we have these meridians that we're that's where we're doing the needling but those meridians go deep into the internal organs of the body multiple organs so to me it seems like it is such a beautiful way to support the body post any surgery but specifically heart surgery because we can so gently affect 
deeper layers within the physical anatomy without having to go there. Like we don't have to touch, you know, the organs or the heart or deep into even where an incision is. We can do points all down the arm just to activate all the channels in the chest or, you know, all down, you know, the low back and legs to activate all the channels in the back of the chest if we can't do something locally. So it's such a beautiful way to access the electrical energetic impulses of the body safely before and after surgery. And it's so gentle and mild that, you know, you can do acupuncture alongside, you know, taking medications or very intense treatment strategies from Western medicine, whatever they might be. So it is a good adjunct and and a safe one. I just want to encourage that. Oh, that's great to hear. And then lastly, tell me about your coaching and you've, you've been receiving some amazing training. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I kind of started when I So when I first left New York City, that's where I had my first private practice for eight years. I moved out to Idaho, which is where we live now, and moved my practice virtually to do herbal consults and kind of wellness coaching. And that's kind of where I built my experience working with people remotely. I personally have had several coaches in my life that have completely changed so many things for me. So I felt really motivated to do that work in the world as well. I do have a life coaching certification. So I did do a formal training in that. So I have that piece. I've studied with several healers. One was trained in distance energy work. So kind of moving a little bit of the energy work that happens in the acupuncture room online, being able to do that afar working with people that way. And then just using kind of a merging of those spiritual practices, and Chinese medicine practices, and all the wisdom within that, and life coaching to really help people activate their own self-healing and their own self-inquiry and curiosity into like living a life on their own terms that's activated from their own internal resources. At least that's my goal. Which is beautiful. And I've worked with practitioners in the past where it wasn't always on my own terms. There is a difference. And when we we are all meant to be here expressing our best and truest selves for the betterment of all. And I know for me personally, you're helping me get there one needle and conversation at a time. <laughs> well, thank you. So. Thank you, Erin, for letting me uh, bring you onto my podcast. This has been amazing. And listeners, thank you for joining us today. And like I said, I will have all the ways you can get in touch with Erin in the show notes and on my website. So thanks again, Erin, for joining me today. Thank you, Boots. It's great to be here. And that's our episode for today. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of your day with me. If you enjoyed this podcast, I sure would appreciate if you would go to my website, theheartchamberpodcast.com and make a donation. Also, if you are a fellow heart warrior, I'd love to hear from you. Would you like to share your story on this podcast? You can either send me an email at boots at theheartchamberpodcast.com or you can go to my website and go to the contact link and leave me a message there. There's also a way to leave me a voicemail on my website. I'm so glad you joined me for today. Please be sure to come back next Tuesday to the Heart Chamber podcast for another inspiring episode.